This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This episode of Vet Candy is brought to you by BehaviorBits.com, featuring podcasts and blog posts along with advice from a top veterinary behavior expert. Welcome to Vet Candy's podcast and other news, a podcast to expand your idea of what is impacting the veterinary world, veterinarians, and all animal care professionals as humans. We are your co-hosts. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Jason Chatfield. If you are not yet a Vet Candy subscriber, why not? Please subscribe for free today at myvetcandy.com and you can reach us rather me with all messages of love and positivity at jen at myvetcandy.com. And as always, for the reels, you can get down with me at jason at myvetcandy.com. Okay, so our topic today is dum, 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 behavior. In other news, veterinarians have behavior problems. I Wait. mean, I may, have, I may have said that wrong. I may have said that wrong. But, I mean, it's true. Veterinarians, true. there are some veterinarians, we all know them, that do absolutely have behavior problems, but I think we're focused on the animals today. Yes, correct? yes. Am I correct? That's right. Okay. That's right. We're not worried about any social incompetence that may exist among professionals. That's not That really- doesn't exist. No, no I've no, never no. even noticed that before. Every professional I've met is very competent socially. I know, right? So uh, anyway, no, we're talking about behavioral So Jason, I got to tell you that when I was um, doing relief practice and when I had the emergency clinics, I did not get excited when somebody came in asking for help with a behavior issue because most of the time I wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, You didn't get excited? You maybe just got nervous? No, you didn't know what to do? You didn't have all the tools in the tool belt? Yeah, it may have manifested as a behavior issue of my own. Yes, it it might have. I know, but luckily today, as always, we're going to welcome an expert into the candy verse, right? That's what we do. That's how we roll. We bring up a problem and say, here, you solve it. It's perfect. (laughs) It's one of the luxuries of being a podcast host on Another News. Exactly right. That's right. So uh, so let's bring our host in quickly before we have to uh, talk too much more about behavior issues. So (laughs) we want to welcome into the candy verse today, Dr. Terry Curtis, behaviorist, veterinary behaviorist extraordinaire, but really she's a board certified behaviorist who's had, I don't want to say too many years, how many years, 20 years, 20 20 years working with behavior. (laughs) In fact, Jason, she only works on behavior issues. Oh my gosh. I know. That's a big tool belt because behavior issues are, listen, let's be honest, very difficult, very difficult. Yes. What, what do you say when we say something like that, Dr. Curtis? What are you saying? It is. It's very difficult. It is. That's right. You better say I that. Agree. You've been for 20 years, right? Yep. It's very difficult. <laughs> Actually, it's not difficult, but let's try to make it as easy as possible. Oh, you're now, now, now all the news hounds instantly love you for saying mm-hmm. that, everybody that's listening. And so today, we're, we actually want to focus, um, Dr. Terry, on something that I think a lot of of pet owners worry about or maybe think they're dealing with at different times. Um, At least I would hear a lot about it when I was in practice. You know, we we can talk about all kinds of behavior issues, but I think we want to talk a little bit about separation anxiety today, which, okay, start with that, right? And then we'll get to like your favorite ones (laughs) a little bit later. (laughs) 
Okay. You say, that, you say that like you didn't believe it exists. Didn't you say that, Terry? Like it didn't really exist. Like she's like, yeah, eh, maybe it's not a thing, right? It's a, it's a thing. It's got to be a thing. Separation anxiety? Yeah. It's yeah, a let's thing. Let's gang up on Jen. Right? It's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. Separation Look, anxiety is absolutely a thing. Okay. It's a real thing. So what, I mean, it's such a broad topic, isn't it? It can be. So we can start by thinking about what's going on with our, let's say, let's keep it with dogs. I mean, cats can get separation anxiety as well, but I think- Wait a minute. Cats? Are you kidding yeah. me right now? Cats nope. can get separation anxiety, but it manifests in a different, less uh, problematic way, typically uh, for owners. Uh, okay. cats. I'll just do a quick sentence. Separation anxiety in cats typically manifests as over-grooming. So uh, cats get uh, bald when they're uh, anxious. Or they pee outside. The- hey, if you're going to mock what I do. Uh, no, no, I- dude. We're not mocking uh, it. So- I'm just thinking like, how do I diagnose that in a sphinx cat? I'm just thinking of a bald cat. <laughs> That's really a problem. <laughs> See? Why this is why cats are under the radar so much of the time. It's really not that much of a problem. Right. Oh, and you're right. Who's going to know? So it, maybe a sphinx cat. They're going to be peeing outside the litter box. But anyway, okay. talk about dogs. Yes. So how how come? Like before we go to dogs, because honestly, I must share with you. I know this will not shock Dr. Terry. I really didn't know that cats could suffer from separation anxiety. That's like a pearl. Already today, we're five minutes into a podcast, and there's a pearl. Cats with well, separation anxiety. As with pain, I think one has to realize that every uh, being can experience anxiety to one degree or another. And so cats can experience anxiety, manifest a little differently, not, not the cat whose owner leaves for work every day, but more the cat whose owner is packing to go on a trip, uh-huh. get anxious when it sees the luggage and gets all freaked out and starts to, again, overgroom or spray or not use the litter box. So it manifests its anxiety in that way. Yeah. Uh, dog is going to manifest it in more destructive behaviors, disruptive behaviors, howling, barking, mm-hmm. uh, peeing, again, pooping. So it's, it's panic. It's all panic behaviors, whether it's a dog or a cat. And how, so how common is separation anxiety? First, I'm going to ask in cats and then I'm going to, or I, I guess what I should say is how common is separation anxiety recognized by an owner in a cat versus in a dog? That's a good question. And, and it's going to be difficult to answer because you're, I'm only going to be brought in when an owner has recognized it yeah. and B determines that it's a problem. And so if they're not really concerned about their bald cat, then I'm not going to hear about it. The Mm -hmm. veterinarian may hear about it, but it's not something that's going to necessarily raise a red flag for the owner because it's just, it's just not that big of a deal. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, that's a whole nother reason to bring your cat to the vet. Cause you know, we only see 20% of cats roughly anyway at the veterinarian, you know, let alone those who are maybe experiencing a little bit of, of, or a lot of stress and anxiety, they're not coming out. Um, nope. Yeah. Dr. Jen, champion of the cats. Boom. Speaks again. Right <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm going to add that line to my CV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, separation anxiety. We can focus on dogs and cats. I'm sure they're treated different, but dogs are the majority of what everyone sees, let's be honest. Okay, so we're gonna, we should probably focus on that. So, okay. so we've all, all right. heard the client. My dog is... I mean, the, the pooping in the house is just just an awful situation, right? Nobody, okay. nobody wants that. But mainly, what do you, what's the main symptom you see with a dog? Yeah. 
Okay, so we have to back up a little bit because okay. often the primary veterinarian is going to have contact with the owner where the owner calls them on the phone or comes in and says, my dog has separation anxiety. So they typically come into the veterinarian with a diagnosis. That diagnosis may be correct. It may be completely incorrect. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Who's made that diagnosis, Terry? <laughs> Dr. Curtis, the owner. did you make it? The owner has made the diagnosis. Yeah. Ah. I love it when they bring a pet here. My pet has a problem. Here it is. Fix it. It's great. This is it. Here it is. So, but in fairness, really, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're right. But regardless, the, yeah. the veterinarian has to kind of take over and start asking a couple of, a few pertinent questions to really get at what is, is going on. Okay. Since typically the behavior is occurring when the owner's not there, mm -hmm. the owner is going to come home to certain behaviors that have happened while the owner's away. Um, we need to know what those behaviors are. When do they occur? Do they occur every time the owner leaves? Do they occur only on Tuesdays? Um, what's going on on Tuesdays? Why isn't the dog exhibiting these behaviors on any other day of the week? How bad are the behaviors? Um, is, it, is it truly just going after the trash can because it's investigating something? Mm -hmm. Truly digging up carpet at the at the exit door so we really need an, a, an explanation or, or a description rather of what the behavior is this sounds like a really like I, I have to get a whole picture like i need to see like a day in the life of that dog or maybe seven days in the life of that dog right like you really have to see everything that's that's in his environment well I, right and get some idea I, again of, of when it's happening so if, if the owner can be gone for an hour mm -hmm. and it's okay but the dog can't be okay if it's, if it's left alone for 10 hours. Mm -hmm. Are we dealing with separation anxiety or are we dealing with house training? Are we dealing with, I just go. If the dog is howling because there's a storm or there's another dog outside, that's not separation anxiety. Right. So getting an idea of getting from the owner information about what's happening, when is it happening, inside the house, where is it happening? Typically, dogs are going to show panic at exit points. So windows where they can see owners leave, doors where the owner has left. Uh -huh. But then it gets even a little more complicated because there are some dogs that have just departure anxiety. So if they see their owner leave, they start to freak out. And that's the biggest problem for them. Mm -hmm. If departure is masked, if they're in another room, chewing on a bone, uh, going, uh, with a, with a, going at a food puzzle toy, and they don't see their owner leave, and they find themselves alone, for those dogs with departure anxiety, they're fine. They just go like, huh, I guess they left. Yeah, oh, well, I guess this they bone left. is good. That really, <laughs> by the way, that works great with children also. It you does. can sneak out the door and shut it, and it's, 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 like, it's like a whole thing, right? So, I mean, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Don't, no. don't, send, don't send the people after me, okay? I would never do that. Right, right, right. So, I, so, I have a, so everyone should know, right? Like, I just want to let everyone in the Candyverse know, um, Dr. Terry gives these incredible lectures, like continuing education lectures for veterinarians. And she talks about these behavior issues. And I've never seen somebody with so many videos in their lectures. And here's why, because everyone's petrified the video won't work, right? But anyway, they work. And I remember you showed one and you, you were talking about separation anxiety, I think was what it was. And you were saying, what is it? What is separation anxiety and what it's not? And you had owners put a camera in the house and then they left. And so they saw what their dog was doing. And right. you could just kind of watch this dog like ratchet up the freak out. Um, right. You know, that was my technical term. And, 
And it like, like it finished after like it went to the door and it was pawing at the blinds and all this and racing room to room. And then all of a sudden it was defecating right there by the front door. Right. You know, it like, like just, and then the owners came back. And then of course there's this whole scene when the owners get back, right? Cause the dog pooped in the house. It messed up the door. It did whatever. And it's just so glad. I think it's, it's owners came back, but it was incredible. And you said that was like, a, like the most eye opening thing you do for clients is put a camera. Like, so they can right. see what their dog is doing. So it's, it's important, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a sadist. I, w- I don't want people to feel badly oh watching animals in the past. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, that's uh, not, too ba- not too badly. You want to feel a little bad, a right? A little bad. <laughs> I want them to feel I mean, bad. You know what's going on. Just don't want to, feel, need, don't want to crush their spirit. No, exactly. <laughs> I need them to understand that this is panic, not spite. Yeah. Being <laughs> in a corner with a cigar and a martini, you know. <laughs> Ruination of the universe. They're panicked. So, right. And the video is the best way to see that. So yeah. give you an idea of, of when the dog is doing what it's doing, what the dog is doing, how long the dog does it. Since again, the behavior is happening when the owner's not there, that's, that's really a, a huge part of the diagnostics mm-hmm. um, to see what's going on when the owner's gone. So again, you have departure anxiety. Uh, you can have that as a discrete issue. You can have separation anxiety where the dog truly cannot be alone. Mm-hmm. You have confinement anxiety where the dog just can't be crated. Mm-hmm. And there are a huge number of dogs that are in this last category that have been crated since puppyhood for maybe an infraction of chewing or right. house trained. And they're somewhat okay in the crate, but not really. Mm-hmm. And then they point, maybe around one, two years old, where they really start to bust out of the crate. And mm-hmm. so they're all being uh, tagged with this quote-unquote diagnosis of separation anxiety. So they're thrown back into the crate. And it really isn't the fact that they can't be left alone. It said they can't be crated. And so these dogs, one of the first things you have to do is just get them out of the crate. Oh my gosh, because that, if that's, misdi- that's like misdiagnosed or mischaracterized, then all of a sudden I take the dog who's petrified or, or his panicked brain, right? When he gets put in the crate, and I just shove him further into a crate. I mean, that's, that's like the like 100% opposite what we want to do for that guy. Right. Which, well, I mean, let's get into it. We can do a segue or sideways bar on, on crate training. It's like, <laughs> why do you dogs in crates? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we can do that. But uh, yeah. First of, all, I don't, I, first of all, I don't know what a sideways bar is, but uh, that's really interesting. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's something off a to side the sidebar. I get it. Sidebar, something not down the main path. Yeah. I gotcha. Call the it rabbit trail. Call it what we will. But I think yeah. I would call it the down the rabbit hole because this stuff is really interesting, right? You just put down the rabbit. You're gonna go really far before you come back to to find out what's going. On. I don't know how you seriously deal with this kind of stuff because a lot of it's owners, a lot of it's dogs, a lot of it's owners and owners and owners, and I think it's very difficult for you to, for you to do that. But anyways, Jennifer, you were gonna say something. So sorry. Well, I, I, just I was just gonna normal. say that. So now that we we've like kind of illuminated our world related to the different, the different kind of triggers for this anxiety, whether it's, I don't want to say separation anxiety anymore because I don't think that's accurate, right? I want to say- the, It's pigeonholing too much, right? Yeah, the anxiety, yeah. whether it's related to separation, departure, confinement, or, or loud noise or whatever's causing the anxiety for that creature. So this is a yes or no question, Dr. Curtis. Yes or no, ready? Yes or no. Okay. Is there anything that we can do? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> I know, 
right? On the other side of the break, everyone has to hang, hang with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to get into solutions. Because already I'm feeling like there's all these dogs out there, this crazy anxiety that I want to, like, I don't want them being so anxious because I feel that's scared. I mean, that's, that's what we, we're, we're saying anxious, but they're petrified. And so, uh, yeah, let's fix that. Okay, so on the other side of the break, on the other side of the break, hang with us. We're going to get to some solutions. Is your pup a perfect little angel all the time? Does he ever bark or howl, chew up your shoes, or worse? Our little angels may not be on their very best behavior 24-7, but we love them anyway. BehaviorBits.com is here to help. Featuring podcasts and blog posts, along with advice from a top veterinary behavior expert that will help make your dog a much better roommate. You and your carpet will be very happy you did. That's BehaviorBits.com. Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. All right. And we're back. But we're not anxious. Or are we? I'm not sure. (laughs) Either way, we're back with Dr. Terry Curtis. Um, discussing uh, that there's different kinds of anxiety that uh, any of our pets might feel. It turns out cats cats get anxious too. So we talked about the three different major kind of uh, commonly seen types of anxiety that people classify all the same when they're not, right? The departure anxiety, true separation anxiety, and um, confinement anxiety with the crate. And so she promised us that there was something we could do. So we we kept her in the candy verse, don't worry. And uh, so Dr. Curtis is going to share that with us. But first, I want to um, share a pearl that I think relates to this that uh, I picked up several years ago at one of her lectures, which if you have an opportunity, you guys should, should roll out um, and hear the lecture. Um, the panicked brain cannot learn, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, right? It's they incredible. Should, they should they should have start physiology, you know, 101 with that, okay? So no one panics about that kind of stuff. It's hard to learn physiology in vet school because you're panicked all the time. I That's mean, I'm thinking right now, Jason, you must have panicked all the way through anatomy. I should never have learned a thing, right? Yeah. I, I, oh, anatomy, what's that? I don't think I learned any of that, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. I mean, we're joking, but this is a very serious thing because a lot of people, I mean, they consider giving up their pet because they can't address the manifestation of that anxiety, Right. Right. Yeah. So what are we going to do? What, what can, we am I gonna take do? A, can we take a step backward for just a minute? Yes. And talk about anxiety in general? Yeah. So whether you're a, um, and, and you, you talked about this a little bit, helping, helping pets, helping humans. If, if I can't, or a primary veterinarian can't explain things to a human, um, there's no way we're going to help the pet. Okay. So the right. human really has to understand what's going on with their animal. And so I think first and foremost, kind of getting into their skin and having them understand that they really are in a, any client of mine and any client that has a a pet with a behavior issue is really in the situation of having a pet that they didn't sign on for. No one wants a cat that's peeing all over the house. No one wants a dog that's trying to kill neighbor. No one wants a dog that's chewing through drywall because it's an absolute panic because they're left alone and or the storm. And so not only do you have the issue that you have to deal with with the pet, but you also have to deal with the owner 
who really is between a rock and a hard place because what are you going to do, euthanize a dog or a cat because of a panic disorder? That's some really hard stuff. That's hard. That's heavy. It is heavy. And so I think by making things as simple as possible for the owner to understand, it it goes to being able to treat it and to, to make things better. Yeah. So I think, first of all, when you think about anxiety, whether you're a dog, cat, rat, or human being, it basically comes from two places. Yeah. It comes from knowledge of something bad happening. So you've been in this situation before. It didn't go well. You're back in this situation. It's not going to go well. So you're fearful of, of being where you've been before, where it hasn't been good. So that's one type of anxiety. The other type of anxiety is, I don't know what's going to happen. So you have uncertainty. So when you're looking to treat anxiety, the goal has got to be to make things not uncertain, okay, mm-hmm. so things predictable, and you make it so that it's incompatible, the situation is incompatible with the first one, and that's something that's bad. And so the goal with treating any anxiety, again, dog, cat, rat, human being, it has to be what is going to happen, the situation that I'm now going to work on creating has got to be consistently good. Okay. I agree with that. And I think every, every veterinarian who's been through vet school and taken a board exam, a licensing exam can feel that, right? Because we see that manifest a lot of times if you take a licensing exam for any profession, if you don't pass the first time. Pretty hard the second time. It's really hard the second time. And it's the same thing if you're, you're taking a class, a course, and you fail and you have to retake it. It's even harder to do well the second time because you're already manifesting like that anxiety about it already went badly and now I have to do it again. So yeah, right. interesting. Right. So, so how, do we, it, how, do, yeah, how do we do that with dogs? I mean, keep, you, keep having positive, positive um, um, interactions and positive results, but that's a difficult thing, I think, right? Starts to be not fun. really. Not well, really. Right. I think, I think by, by simplifying it and not making it uh, overwhelmingly uh, complicated, um, that, it's, that it's actually pretty easy to do. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You ready, well, good. You ready to talk about separation anxiety and how to make it easy? I mean, who's not? But here, but but I do, I do, I don't, I don't want people to gloss over the fact that a lot of times, by the time an owner comes to a veterinarian to ask for help for this, it's because the dog maybe has destroyed something, yep, or mm-hmm. or routinely is um, behaving inappropriately, and they finally get to the veterinarian. And their owners right. are like, today, we have to fix it today. Well, or worse, the, the, worse, the veterinarian has to talk them off the cliff, right? They've already yeah. come in with, they're already going to do the deed, right? Yeah, and you have to that. talk them back. And so, and so this has been great. We have all kinds of tools. You can say, no, listen, no, it's not hard. It's easy. Here's what we're going to do. Bam, bam, bam. And Dr. Terry in a few minutes is going to give us the bam, bam, bam. All right. That's what's, I think that's what's going to happen. Not all the right? wham, bam, I'm, I'm, but the bam, bam, bam. Myself. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. And take some notes. All right. Cause, because that's what happens. I don't know where you guys are, but that's what happens. I am tired. I'm tired of my dog chewing through walls, costing me $800 a week. Mm-hmm. I, I'm done. I'm done. Take, you know, take care of me. And it's terrible, but I think people deal with that on a daily basis. Right. And so you, and have, so, to right. be, you have to be like a social worker too, because you have to deal with the resentment that the owner has built up against the dog. Right. Yeah, we're right. fully resentment about themselves, but let's, let's yeah, go on beyond really. that. Yeah. Okay. So like, we know it's not simple. We've, you've already had, like told us it's complicated and you made fun of us for saying it's simple, but so what are we going to do? What's the, I was okay, so let's, let's take, let's take this scenario that Jason just put out there. The owners, geez, there's going to be no talking to him now. Terry. <laughs> really? Oh, crap. Really? Uh, okay. Um, Too late. 
So number one, don't wait, medicate. So if, if the owner love it. <laughs> if the owner is looking to euthanize their dog or they really have hit the wall as far as I can't do this anymore, the dog has to be medicated. We're going to get to the, the real crux of, of how to uh, treat it uh, as far as behavior modification. Understanding that this is a learned behavior, okay? So again, this is, don't mean to talk in kind of a multi-pronged way, but it really is a multi-pronged thing. Yeah. Everything the dog has learned, um, all of those pre-departure things, picking up keys, putting on shoes, all the things that make the dog come unglued, mm-hmm. now knows that you're leaving, it's all classical conditioning stuff. And so at some point, all of those classically conditioned, all of those conditioned responses need to be unlearned and classically conditioned in another way. Okay. You said, however, uh, Dr. Jen, is that you can't learn if you're freaking out. So we have to address the brain chemistry and we have to calm it down. We have to get the dog calm enough so that it can start to process the fact that it really is okay when it's left alone. It really is okay when it watches the owner walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. It really is okay. And so going back to anxiety, whether it's you or whether it's a dog, you need enough data to actually say, I'm okay. And so that has to be done enough times so mm-hmm. that the dog really learns that, okay, I'm okay. I'm feeling fine. The owner leaves, comes back. Everything's, everything's good. So medication to start. And medication to start that's going to work quickly, it's going to work fast, it's going to work for a short period of time for the yep. duration of a, of a departure. Yep. So are and you- there's an issue with medication though, right? Like not all meds are created equal when we're talking about behavior issues. Correct. Okay. So how, what do you want to know about meds? How much do you want to know? I mean, I want, here's what I want to know. If I am a general practitioner and someone comes into me and they say, look, I love this little dog, but I hate him. And mm-hmm. he's either staying with you today or he's going to go have supper with Jesus. But either okay. way, he can't come back to my house. So, okay, so, the, first thing, so the first thing you're going to reach for is a benzodiazepine. And okay. so understand that the benzodiazepines, so diazepam, alprazolam, lorazepam, okay, all of those have different clonazepam. They all have different onsets of action and they have duration mm-hmm. of action that's, that's different. Your fastest acting, shortest acting one is Alprazolam. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want a dog to settle and maybe sleep for a little bit, then maybe diazepam might be better. It's going to take a little longer to work, but it's going to last for a longer period of time. Okay. So, you, so that's, you a lot, a- that's a lot of choices, but that's good stuff to start. Like, like instantly now, now, now we can calm down and start to discuss what's really going on, right? Right. So you need, you need something so that, that they... now. Um, and we're going to talk about medication, but there's other things that you can do yeah. as, as a quick Band-Aid as well. But, but a medication that's going to work right away that doesn't take days to reach effect is, is going to be uh, benzodiazepine, trazodone. Trazodone is, works in a different way. Uh, benzodiazepines work on GABA. Mm-hmm. Trazodone works on GABA as well, but it also works on other neurotransmitters. So you're getting... Okay a kind of a synergistic effect by using oh, the and then yeah. there's also medications that you can start the dog on that are going to take weeks to reach peak effects that work at, at decreasing anxiety overall so okay. you have medications that address panic those are going to be your benzodiazepines mm-hmm. and trazodone 
And then yep. you've got medications, the SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the uh -huh. tricyclic antidepressants that work at decreasing the overall level of anxiety, which is, again, our long-term goal. Right. But fluffy to be okay that he's not going to go meet Jesus this afternoon. Yeah. It's got to be a benzodiazepine. It's got to be a benzodiazepine. And, you know, does that make me, like, a bad owner if I'm medicating my dog like Would that? Hold an antibiotic if your dog had an infection? No, absolutely not. No, I, mean, I, I don't. Boom, I never dropped understood. the mic on you. That's that a good response. I know. Did you hear that? It. She just that said. Was good stuff. Yeah, let me put this in some context for you. Right. Yeah, but that's Great interesting point. because I think a lot of owners probably just just like we have all these um, social issues surrounding medication and human mental health <laughs> issues. There are owners who I think sometimes transfer that hiccup to their dogs and so they feel like maybe they failed as an owner you know if they're medicating right um and and i and i think there's definitely that group of of owners and and i'm certainly willing and, and have to be able to talk about the benefits of these medications oh yeah side of that is also there are there are owners that are like i got that stuff in my medicine cabinet can i give fluffy my uh Ooh. I got some other stuff in my medicine cabinet. What's Can I get up? that? <laughs> exactly. So there are some that absolutely understand panic disorders and yeah. generalized anxiety and absolutely want their dog to be feeling better. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's, and that's the other thing as a veterinarian, it doesn't mean that I think medicating for behavioral issues like that so that the, the client and the pet can have time to adjust to what could be a new normal because the anxiety didn't ratchet up to 10 overnight either. I think giving them that time, that doesn't make you a failure as a veterinarian either. No. And unfortunately, I think there, we have some professionals out there who won't reach for drugs right away with behavior issues. Who won't? Yeah, because of no, that. I, that's probably one of my biggest frustrations. When I get a call from a, uh, an owner who's been referred to me by a, a general practitioner and their dog is in what, what sounds like and appears to be abject panic and nothing has been done, it's really frustrating. Because mm -hmm. There are things that can be done. So um, I'm going to ask you a question. This is, a, this is like, it's not, well, it's one of my favorite questions to ask uh, professionals too, but I already know your answer to this is why I'm asking it. So what about ACE promazine? That was my question. I already wrote it down. Doc, I want to give some ACE. Just give me some more ACE, Doc. Give me some more ACE. Yeah. What's ACE, the difference between ACE and the alprazolam that you're talking about? ACE promazine is not an anxiolytic. It is a, what is it, Jen? It is I a, don't know, but I know what it does. It makes it's the brain sedative. still panic. The brain still panics, right. but they can't move to can't manifest move. the panic. So, so <laughs> if you think about treatment as a cocktail, yeah. So let's say you're making a martini, and so boom, the, right in, right in Dr. Jen's world, right yeah, there. Yeah, Jen's already for this. She's gonna. She's so, gonna tell us are we is. doing gin? Or are we doing vodka martini? Vodka. Okay, so the vodka is gonna be something like an SSRI, something like fluoxetine. Okay. The vermouth is going to be the benzodiazepine. Okay. Olive for a very destructive and panicky dog could be one-tenth of the sedative dose of ACE. One-tenth. So you're, you're addressing the panic. You're addressing the anxiety. Um, but you're kind of just making this dog settle. Okay. Yeah. Those are for dogs that are going to tear the house apart. Yeah. Now, going back to other options. Mm -hmm. There is boarding. They can board at your facility. There's doggy daycare. There's all kinds of things. And, and I think talking about options to clients is really yeah. important instead of just saying, 
we're not going to be able to solve it in, in two days because you're not going to be able to solve it in two days. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a process and just, you know, giving people alternatives and, and, and options is really important. Yeah. Thing that, and I don't know if you're going to ask this at some point, but I think we mentioned the owners feeling badly. Yeah. Men think that it's their fault that their dog has separation anxiety. They've looked, uh, studies have shown that really attached dogs are no more likely to have separation anxiety than those that, that seem to be a little more independent. So this idea of a Velcro dog or taking your dog everywhere or being home with your dog all the time, that's going to cause them to have separation anxiety. The data has not borne that out. The only thing that predicts separation anxiety in a dog is getting it from a rescue. And there you're looking at which has come first, the chicken or the egg, is yeah. the dog in because it had separation anxiety yep. and was dropped off because not going to have it or does the dog have separation anxiety because it's you know been in in rescue after rescue after rescue so yeah. we don't know it seems to be the only thing that points to the possibility that's an interesting of, discussion i didn't know that rescue dogs tend to have a, a higher incidence of this anxiety syndrome uh, yeah but it's a great point who knows why right so right but it's, it's, so you're missing everything when you get a rescue dog yeah. you have nothing you don't know no anything history, about their history. You don't know anything about their socialization process. You don't know if they were, you know, everybody thinks that their dog is abused. Probably not. Um, but <laughs> question mark, and it's a big unknown. And it so is. you basically have this blank sheet of paper that, okay, what you have is behavior problem X. Let's solve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, it doesn't mean that people should necessarily look askance at a rescue, but I do think um, just like with any other animal that you're going to purchase, I think understanding the history, which means just recognizing that that could be something that comes along with the dog and don't wait to get help from your veterinarian if you face that. Right. Um, I think that's the, the key takeaway there is that, you know, we, we don't know what sort of um, trauma the dog has been through, um, physical or emotional or mental. No, I think there's a lot of expectations, you know, the, the humans, and I totally get the human end of it. Okay, we're going to go down to the... Yeah the pound and get a dog and, and we're going to bring him home and everything's going to be great. And the dog's like, um, you know, I got nothing with you people. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a bond. I don't have, I don't, I trust you. Yeah. Nothing Is that a cat over there? I hate cats. <laughs> exactly. Who said I, don't, I was I don't okay like with a cat? <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Don't wait. Medicaid. My favorite line of the week here. So, okay. uh, so we talked about, so did we talked about drugs, but listen, there's more, right? There's more. It's not, bring I know. I know we can talk for hours yes. on this stuff, right? Yes, it's not yeah. just not just throw drugs at it and solve it. I mean, this no, is no, we're not going to throw drugs and just drugs. There's there's pheromone save the dog therapy. today. Yeah. There's pheromone therapy. There's there's uh, anti anxiety supplements that are out there that can be useful, but the crux of the treatment has to come from the behavior modification, mm -hmm. and that working on the on the departure cues, making. So do you mean behavior modification of the dog or of the owner? Because I'm thinking the owner. Well, no, behavior modification, it's, it's for the dog. So, so going through uh, mock departures. So let's say the dog starts to show anxiety. One of the questions that a, that a veterinarian should ask an owner is, when does your dog start to show anxiety? And most owners absolutely know when. So it's when I start to put on shoes. It's when I mm. take a shower. It's when I yeah. a cup of coffee, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. so that person has to literally or figuratively make a list of all those things. Mm. And you have three options as far as what to do with those things on that list. One, you can make them go away. So yep. instead of having coffee that you're brewing in the morning, it's brewed at night and it's in a the thermos or you brew it at work or whatever. 
you put on. I had I once had a client who could not leave the house in a suit because his dog was completely panicked, but he could leave the house in running clothes. And his dog must have thought that he was just running all day, you know, Listen, and had no problem with that. I, that is unbelievable. How long did it take yes. you to figure that out? I mean, that's such a non, I mean, you probably did it really quick. It would take me a year. I'm sure you did it in two minutes, but, but no, he, the he clothes you're wearing. He just crazy. figured it out. He's like, if I go for a run, the dog is completely fine. So what he would do is leave the house in the morning with his running clothes on and he'd be, you know, he'd change for work uh, at work. Oh my gosh. You do wow. what you have to do. So you figure out what these triggers are for the dog. You make them go away. You do them at different times. You drop them from your repertoire or whatever. Yeah. You can habituate the dog to them, which is basically in, uh, running through the trigger over and over and over, but never leaving, picking up keys, sitting down, picking up keys, walking to another room, picking up keys. Picking up the nail trimmers, picking up there the nail trimmers. <laughs> yeah. Or... You can do classical conditioning, and that is pick up keys, give them a treat, put on shoes, give them a treat. So again, if you think about anxiety, it's either coming from something predictably bad or something unpredictable. Yeah. So we have to make what's causing anxiety predictably good. So we always come back around to our ultimate goal mm -hmm. and have the dog to learn that if you, if you think about anxiety, what you have to have is data that shows I'm okay. And so the dog has to have enough data points where he really does understand in his bones that, okay, owner left, but I'm cool, I'm relaxed, I got a little bit of benzodiazepine on board, I got a little pheromone stuff going, I got treats, and they always come home, this is good. Why do I care? They're gone. Great. I, care. I don't no care. treats for it's me. Good. Yeah. And so what I think what I think is also key for owners to recognize too is that that phrase that you use and the reason it resonated so so well with me like I don't know maybe 8 or 10 years ago is the panicked brain can't learn which means every time you leave and their head doesn't explode the boogeyman doesn't come out doesn't mean that they're learning that oh it's going to be okay cuz they're not cuz they're freaked out so right. every time you leave they think, oh my God, I skated through. <gasps> the next time for sure he's going to get me. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm anthropomorphizing. Right. Yeah. Anthropomorphizing. Yeah. That's it, right? And so I think once owners recognize, oh, well, no wonder. So continuing to do this is just like making this worse. I, right? I laugh so much because that's exactly what I thought after every test in bed. Oh my gosh, I skated through, but the next one is going to get me for that's sure. Right. <laughs> no, but it's true. We can all relate to that, right? So Yeah, and so... But for me, that was such a light bulb moment. And I think for so many professionals, when we're faced in a busy day in the practice where we're looking at stuff like, you know, dog with diarrhea, a puking dog, diabetic dog, cat, who knows what the cat has. And then someone walks in and they're there to euthanize their dog because it's eating the sheetrock or it's pooping in the house or, you know, whatever. This is not a five minute conversation. No. And this is something that owners really have to wrap their brain around because they really have to be engaged in the solution. It's not just medicate the dog. The owners have right. to be engaged in the solution. But I think that it's also fair for veterinarians to, to take the time. You wouldn't say, you know, I noticed that you have some dent, your dog has some dental pathology. I'm going to drop everything in my schedule and we're going to take care of it right now. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't do that for that. Why would you do that for behavior? So Take the time to say, this is really important. Yes, start bringing your dog in for doggy daycare, but let's make an appointment to talk about what we need to do going forward for this particular issue in your dog. Yeah. <laughs> you care enough and show that there is actually something that can be done mm -hmm. that 
owner will respond just like they would with any other recommendation that you make about their health. Yeah. So I have a question. It's my normal question when we have, you know, very smart you people one. like you all. You it's one. my normal question. When, <laughs> when should I consider referring this dog? When should I give it to somebody <laughs> Jason's else? Jason's thinking 10 minutes into that first appointment. <laughs> well, it's, it's when am I over my head? It's a very interesting question because I just, I just emailed Jen about, would you read the manuscript of this book that I'm supposed to write? And, and this whole book that I'm thinking of actually writing is going to be, I don't know if it's going to be called five things you need to do before you refer. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, I, and I think that gives you something to do. It puts some of the power back in your hands instead of going, I can't do anything. Right. I have to refer because I think there's only 80 or so of veterinary behaviorists in the country. That's not enough. So you can't refer these. Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to learn some stuff. All right. Dude, All right. That's yeah. even fewer than boarded zoo veterinarians. There's only I mean, 80? Yeah. What, what the yeah I think so. And then when I say board search, so that, those are, there's some in Canada. There's some in Australia. There's some that, wow. are dead, some that aren't practicing. So that's the total number of, of veterinarians who have been, have gone through the board certification process. I don't know wow. how many. Actually, actually, well, it actually, just makes me feel better that it's it's that difficult for that there's only eighty of them. I don't feel so bad, and I can't solve these problems. But don't wait, Medicaid. I'm going to be good to go with that. One. <laughs> That's it. Don't wait, Medicaid. If you just stop there, if if I if I yes. got all, and, and the, the thing about that though is if you're going to medicate, use the right medication, right. use the right dose. So again, I either get referrals that they haven't started on medication, or they've started on medication at the wrong dose, either yeah. too low or way too high. Way too high. <laughs> Because if you, start, if you start way too high, then you've got a lot of uh, side effects yep. and, and owners don't like that. So now you have a dog that's not eating, uh, it's lethargic, and so the owner's upset. The veterinarian's like, well, that drug doesn't work. And it's like, so let's, let's use the medication that works at the dose it's supposed to work mm -hmm. for the time it's supposed to be given to work. And there's yeah. data to back that up, right? Like veterinarians can, there's can data. Yeah, yeah, have I, I, data for that. I make fun because I, I like to rhyme. So I like to say that don't wait Medicaid. But really, let's remember, everybody, you're doing that simply, you know, to stop the animal, the owner from making a really, you know, a decision that you can't come back from and then yeah. use that time to kind of refer or, or, or not refer. <laughs> Just kidding. Exactly. To figure out what's going on and, and fix the problem yeah. in a much better sense yeah. or refer. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is there's only, you're, so there's only like roughly 80 board certified veterinary behaviorists, Right. This is, isn't this the number one reason that pets are surrendered is behavioral issues? I mean, I believe so. It's up there. Yep. This is an inverse relationship. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. That's it is crazy. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, so what do you think, Dr. Curtis, about owners? Because, you know, these days, especially the millennial pet owner, they want to be incredibly engaged. They want to feel like they're informed. They want to know what's going on. Is there anything wrong with, owners reading up on stuff and being prepared when they come to the veterinarian depends what they're reading. okay good that that's fair that's fair so so they need to make sure it's a credible source a credible source so i think a, a uh, an article was just published about um what what first year veterinarian uh, first year vet students um know about behavior and their perception about behavior yep and granted, it's, it's that group of people, but so many of them get their information from either websites or, you know, yeah. lay magazines, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of misinformation, especially alpha theory or dominance theory when it comes to dogs. And, oh, yeah. and there's some, so you're not, you're not going to alpha roll 
into submission a dog that has separation anxiety. No. It's really important that we go beyond the totally debunked and what's the word? It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not that simple. It's not a credible source anymore. And, and yeah. it's, it's still such in a forefront mm-hmm. of entertainment that this whole, you know, let's show the dog who's boss kind of thing that yeah. it's really going to get in the way of getting yeah. to the end that everybody is looking for. Yeah. And another place to get all their information is, is their first year vets. They're scared to death, right? They're out there. Their first veterinarian is probably going to be some owner who's been, you know, I'm not disparaging any older vets, but they're from a different generation that maybe treats things a little bit differently. And so mm-hmm. they're going to get a lot of information. Yeah. And so that's what I say. Right like, or wrong, but that's their main influence. I would like every, because we, a lot of folks in the Candyverse, a lot of news hounds, they're not veterinarians. They're interested in informed pet owners. And so- right. I am always pleased when a pet owner or an animal owner or an animal care professional has done some research. I don't even care. I don't even care if it's bad research. If they bring to me what they have discovered or what they are thinking, and then that's part of the discussion so that they're not just going off on a tangent on their own and we can arrive at the plan for their animal together, but at least they've become engaged in trying to address the problem. But you got to bring it to the veterinarian. I mean, you know. You got to bring it to the veterinarian because, you know, again, I get calls from people that, you know, well, I I exercise my dog eight hours a day, like Mm -hmm. I'm being the pack leader. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I got a problem. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They're not, like, (laughs) I can concur you have a problem. That's not the the treatment plan. You don't want to exercise. (laughs) <laughs> exhaustion so that you don't see the, the the behavior problem oh my goodness oh my goodness that's sort of my child care approach though let's get them tired <laughs> let's get them yeah unconscious that's everyone's that's child good. care approach what are you talking about? why do you think swimming pools were invented hello right oh yeah. my god yeah and um but I, but i do think it's interesting too because training separation anxiety is not an issue of training that's not a typically training. not no right and so i mean i guess i guess and overall anxiety can be an issue of inappropriate inappropriate training programs, right? I mean appropriate training, absolutely. Yeah. So shock collars, choke collars, prong collars, yeah. Yeah, because they have a bad a bad experience, it gets worse, they're anxious, blah, you know, it just it just right. ratchets up, right? But you're not gonna train your dog out of separation anxiety. Because he's again, he's freaked out. He's not doing it to get back at you. He's, right. So these misconceptions of spite and trying to get back at you. Um, can be very harmful and, and really hinder um, progress. So again, not cruel, but but owners need to understand that their dog is panicked yeah. and that it's to be addressed as a panic disorder. Yeah. Well, this has been incredible. So we have pearls. Number one, cats get separation anxiety. Wow. I thought they just thought the staff went home for the night, you know, but they get separation anxiety. And, uh, and I'm going to out Dr. Terry here because we, we are friends. I'm going to out her. Dr. Curtis, do you mind sharing with the Candyverse what color of cat is your favorite? Well, okay. I have to admit, I now have three orange cats. <laughs> <laughs> Wilma D. That's funny. Murray, Sid. And I do have this new white with black and other yeah. colors on her, and that's Blanche Marie. So I am branching out into the leaving the orange cats. So. I love orange it. cats and one non-orange cat. Are, are you worried about creating behavior issues with the non-orange? I am working on a behavior issue right now between Wilma D and Blanche Marie, and I'm trying the um, 
just getting in between them approach. And, yeah, they, uh, you know what? <laughs> Wilma D and Blanche Marie sound like they were competing seniors for homecoming queen at Rydell High. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. So I'm, I'm trying to get them to hunt together. I'm trying to have them find what's common between them instead of what's different. Oh, I love I'm also, it. I'm also medicating Wilma D. So. <laughs> I mean, don't wait. Medicating, right? So. <laughs> So there she is, the behaviorist taking her own advice. I love it. No, I, I laugh because I, I am very familiar with, with the cats and the social um, environment for the cats in uh, Dr. Curtis's household. And it's freaking incredible. Cats are lucky to find themselves there with Dr. Curtis because they're all very happy. Even Wilma D will figure it out that Blanche Marie is okay because Blanche Marie is adorable. Um, she is adorable. She is. So she'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, Jason, do you have any other burning questions? It's because we had, so we had cats get separation anxiety. We had um, don't wait, medicate. And also that, you know, there's different kinds of separation anxiety, right? There's, that, that's like a big umbrella. And did we have another pearl in there? Jason, did you pull out another pearl? Uh, no, I just got my normal question in of when can I refer this? Oh, when should I? Not when can I? When should I refer this case? So. When Dr. Curtis has an opening. <laughs> well, I have her cell phone oh, number now. Did so I not answer trouble, that? So. Yes, she did. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did answer that. I love it. I love it. So um, any other parting words that you think every, every animal lover should know about behavioral issues in general or separation anxiety specifically? Like guest choice. Any other thing we ought to know? that you wish everyone knew? I wish everybody knew. I, I think that my advice to, to general practitioners would be to pick a, a medication combination that you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So like fluoxetine and alprazolam and give it within the right dosing parameters and, and more. I think by having cases that, that you've given medications to and you've seen the results that are good, you're going to be more comfortable using it more and more. And I think that's really important. And, and to answer the question of, of Jason, when to, Jason went to refer, mm -hmm. I think we really hit the wall where the medications aren't working, where the owner's just not getting it as far as the behavior modification thing goes. I really think that, that general practitioners can do more than they think they can mm -hmm. and realize that it's not as complicated as they think it is. Excellent. That's beautiful. That's probably an excellent statement. General, general practitioners can do more than they think they can. That's usually true, right? So, yeah. Great. So good, where, good piece where, of advice. Where can we find you? Can we follow you on socials? Do you have a website? Where, like, where do we find you, Dr. Curry? I am, I am working on a website at the moment. And okay. uh, but so, well, maybe, maybe when this episode <laughs> drops, maybe. We'll put up a, a website where, where you can find uh, Dr. Curtis if you're, if you're further interested. If we don't have that in the episode notes, then you reach out to uh, us here at VetCandy, Jen at MyVetCandy.com or Jason at MyVetCandy.com and, uh, and we'll see if we can rustle up some, some information for you from Dr. Curtis. So, yeah, you can find me that way. This has been wonderful. Dr. Terry Curtis, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Here. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. So signing off from the cottage on the farm, I'm Dr. Jen. Uh, signing off from the basement, I'm Dr. Jason. And we hope to see you guys on the next episode of Vet Candy's podcast and other news. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>